Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. The show that brings you in where the magic happens. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sip Pop writer Caleb. Hello, guys. How you doing? Well, we're ready for SipPop.com, provided you providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other media-related articles. So make sure you check out the website SipPop.com to keep up with those. We have a great show for you this week. We're going to start off here on the pitch which is now, so that's good. We're on schedule so far. Can't promise anything after that. Uh, then we're going to move to the coming attraction, where we'll give our thoughts on what's coming out this week. This week we got Bill and Ted face the music. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the SIP topic this week, will, which will be our TV catch-up, so just what we're watching. Uh, we'll wrap up with a spin-off, a quick recommend or warn from each of us. But first, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. So Caleb, uh, when did you realize you had a passion for movies? I mean, growing up, my family had a lot of movie nights. Uh, every Friday night, it seemed like we would, if we could, we'd have a movie night. We'd either rent something or pick, uh, something from our collection of movies. My parents have a bunch of like classic movies on VHS. So I like grew up watching a lot of those. So like Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, Liar Liar with Jim Carrey, stuff like that. And then in high school, my friends and I would spend like at least one night a week, uh, going to movies, especially during the summer, I think. It was the summer between my junior and senior year. We watched like 16 movies that summer, I think we counted. So that was just like something that we did to uh, spend time together. So it just kind of developed throughout my childhood. And then um, I've just kind of been pretty crazy about movies ever since. And do you have that one movie kind of in that summer run that you saw like three or four times? Actually, my senior year, the summer after my senior year, we saw Popstar. And we were the only people in <laughs> And we left that movie obsessed with the soundtrack and like couldn't get over how funny it was. And I'm pretty sure we went back and saw it again. And we listened to the soundtrack for that movie unironically, like for the rest of the summer, like while we were hanging out. So that was like the biggest one that stuck out. Yeah, it's it's a lot like I, I hear a lot of people talk about this new Eurovision movie on Netflix and how the soundtrack is actually really good. And I mean, I, I've seen it recently. It's it's pretty it's a pretty decent movie. It's just okay. But the soundtrack is actually really good. But Popstar is a great movie with a just stellar sound soundtrack. Yeah, I could not get over how many like legit musicians they had in that movie. Not only like in the interview part, but like making the music with them. Like you had like Pink and Adam Levine and Michael Bolton and like so many. Uh, what cool- Emma Stone? Yeah, somehow. they had Emma Stone rap for like thirty seconds, and I was like, I loved that. I don't even know what that was, but I loved it. Right, right. Yeah, I, I just remember kind of, I have a pretty similar story to you just in high school, just going ham at the, at the movie theater. And I just remember, I, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy three times in theaters. I saw Skyfall twice, Pacific Rim twice. Uh, so when did you get involved with Ready for Sip Pop? Boy, it had to have been, it was late last year. You reached out to me, actually, because we kind of knew each other from college. And like you have uh, said to me before, like, I tweet about movies, not like, consistently but if i watch a movie and i either really like it or really don't like it i usually just tweet about it and i think 
couple of them popped up on your feed and you messaged me about writing and I was kind of looking for a hobby or something to get involved with writing about movies um, because my friends have always joked that I'm a movie critic. They're like They've always, like, after we see a movie, they're like, Caleb, what did you think? Because whether you liked it or not is a big deal. Uh, right. So once you offered me, like, this avenue, I had to jump at it. I was excited. Yeah, I uh, I just noticed on your timeline, since we had a lot of mutual friends on Twitter, that just you, you'd write about things, especially Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stop. And if you write something about that movie, I'm going to, I'm going to notice it, but, but I also noticed that you, you watch a lot of the movies that not necessarily a lot of other people watch. Like you do dive into the things that are like criterion collection, things that just most average movies goers aren't going to, you know, diving into older, like some of the more niche stuff or some of the indie stuff. So, I mean, that was really kind of what caught my eye to be like, oh, this Caleb is not just a, not just your average only goes to see transformers and fast and furious or whatever, but it's, uh, but actually has an appreciation for movies. So yeah, yeah, I reached out to you and it's, it's been great reading your stuff every week and, uh, uh almost every week at least. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and just getting a chance to kind of interact uh, a little bit from that. So right, I got one more silly question for you. If you could delete any celebrities, Twitter profile, who would it be? Oh gosh. It might honestly be Chrissy Teigen. Okay. In my like, I have no problem with her, but like her Twitter is always. I don't even know if I like necessarily get annoyed with her tweets, but they're always on my feed. That's the yeah. big thing. Like I, I'm fine if she tweets and I don't see it, but I don't even follow her, and they always end up on my feed, and I'm always just like on Twitter. I'm like, why am I seeing a Chrissy Teigen tweet? Yeah, that's really annoying. Joe Biden pops up in my feed a lot, and it's just like I don't follow you, dude. I mean, I don't follow any political figures. On Twitter, that's not saying anything one way or the other. It's just he always shows up on my timeline because he's promoting every tweet, and it's just like, dude, you're making me not want to like you. Yeah. Like so. Anyway, I just thought that was a fun question to come to come by and uh, and figured I'd ask it. So um, anyway, let's move on to our coming attraction. This week we're going to be talking about Bill and Ted face the music. This has been long in production hell, and it's finally coming to both theaters and VOD on, I believe, August 28th. I really appreciate that they're doing, that they're doing for that. But the synopsis here is, once told they'd save the universe during a time-traveling adventure, two would-be rockers from San Dimas, California, find themselves as middle-aged dads still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. So, Caleb, you've uh, probably familiarized a little yourself with this movie a little bit. Uh, at the very least, what is your anticipation level coming into this movie? If this were you know, released in the theater exclusively, pandemics aside, would you be there opening night? Would you be catch a matinee, wait to rent it, um, wait until it's on a streaming service you already paid for? Are you just not interested in this movie? I'm probably somewhere between matinee and rent. So okay. I'd probably see it, but it would be a couple weeks after the release. Uh, and it's not that I don't like the movie. Like, I remember watching the uh other ones and i remember enjoying them and obviously um everybody loves keanu reeves like I've, I've never met a person that doesn't like him so obviously i'm a fan of him i am excited to see samara weaving and bridget lundy Payne um in their roles i really like the work that i've seen from those two and like ready or not and uh three billboards and the babysitter and then bridget's in uh, atypical and i'm a big fan of that show um, so I'm excited to see them in their roles. So like I said, I would be seeing it. I just wouldn't be going opening weekend. 
Okay. I am probably opening night. Uh, and it's because I'm such a big fan of the first two movies. I didn't see them until high school, maybe even college. But I just love... The first one is outstanding. And the second one, I think I like a little bit more because I didn't have that, like... You know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure came out, then you wait a couple of years only to be, dis- you know, quote-unquote disappointed with Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I, I think it's a fine movie. It's definitely nowhere near the caliber of the first one, but I certainly like it. Uh, so I, I'm just interested in this franchise continuing. And I think that Keanu is doing some really good things now. And it's just, and Alex winter, you know, he recently did the Showbase kids documentary on HBO. So like, they're both kind of in a different state of mind. I mean, Keanu is not this character anymore. And I'm interested to see how that affects him. And I'm interested to see how Alex winter all grown up, especially not being quite an A-lister like Keanu, how that grows up, how that plays into effect here. It's just, it's also, you know, we've seen Bill and Ted as these young kind of idiotic, dumb, high schoolers and i'm kind of interested in seeing these middle-aged people and kind of interested it fine it seems like we're finally gonna gonna get the answer of how their one song actually changes the world it it seems like that's what this movie is setting up it seems like it's we're actually going to get those answers and realistically see how this this song is going to unite them uh so it feels like bill and ted face music is finally going to get the trailer also looks funny but and i think the additions of the two people that you were just talking about are are terrific i only recognize each of them from Ready or Not and Atypical, but I'm a huge fan of Atypical. And I am kind of iffy on Ready or Not, but I really like Samara Weaving. So um, mm-hmm. I just think there's a lot to look forward to here. Some of the parts of the trailer looked a little bit kind of like, eh, I could take it or leave it. But they had me opening weekend at Bill and Ted, and it doesn't matter what's going on from there. I mean, unless this movie somehow drops with like a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, uh, I am definitely excited to see what they do with it. I'm also curious to see how Keanu does going from John Wick to back to this character because right. like that's just an interesting back and forth because it's just like literally maybe the most opposite character that he could play from his and uh, his character in Bill and Ted is John Wick. So I'm just interested to see how he does that. Well, and what's going to be fun is coming from John Wick, doing Bill and Ted, face the music. And then also ready to start production on the new Matrix movie, plus John Wick 4 and 5 being shot back-to-back, like they just announced. Like I mean, It's just, this is really out of left field for where his career is going right now. I, I guess he did just have that role in Always Be, uh, Always Be My Maybe, which, oh, was, yeah. which was very much like a, like a Bill and Ted type role. Yeah. Just, there's a couple additions here. There's Anthony Kerrigan, who is unnamed in the cast. He Do you watch the show Barry? I have seen a couple episodes. Um, I have not seen uh, very much of it, though. Okay, he plays uh, the, the like this Russian hitman guy. That's a total. He's he's maybe the funniest part of this show, and so he he's in here. Kid Cudi apparently has a role. Yeah, I was about to say I'm excited to see. I don't know what they're gonna do with Kid Cudi, but. Anything that Kid Cudi does is good, so I'm excited to see him uh, in this movie. Yeah, yeah, we have William Sadler back as Death, and Hal, Hal, Land- Hal Landon Jr. coming back as Captain Logan. Aaron Hayes, I feel like I've seen her somewhere. He's um, in. Uh, she's in Parks and Rec as Annabelle Porter, the fashion yeah. guru lady. Right. We'll talk about a little bit later. But Jillian Bell also in here of Twenty Two Jump Street, Night Before, Bridesmaids. Oh yeah. Like they have Kristen Shaw, who is from like Last Man Standing, and 
I'm watching Gravity Falls right now, and she's the voice of Mabel, one of the characters in that. So, I mean, the other thing about this, this director is Dean Parasad. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, some really kind of crappy stuff on his IMDb. He did the uh, Tim Allen Galaxy Quest movie. He did Red 2. I mean, those are just too bad. fun with Dick and Jane with Jim Carrey. I mean, those are all just bad movies. But, I mean, he did some episodes of Justified and the Santa Clarita Diet, which I'm a big fan of both of those. I uh, did some episodes of Monk, did some of the 2002 Tick series, Curb Your Enthusiasm, but um, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon writing this, so the original writers of the movie coming back for this, that's really encouraging. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, there's not much about this for me to not want to be on board. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I have anything more to say. Do you? Uh, no, I think I've pretty much touched on, I mean, like kind of like you said, uh, there's not really anything to discourage me from seeing it. Original movies just didn't stick in my mind as much as they seem to have for you, which is the only reason why I wouldn't see it opening weekend. But I would, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it and seeing what they do with the storyline because I do remember wishing for a third one after they made the second one. Yeah, and finding it was like an older movie, and I was like, "You're telling me they never made a third one?" So I'm excited that they're actually making it now. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times some of these like revived sequel things just don't really work too well. But I mean, it's not like they ever stopped trying to make Bill and Ted 3. It was just always caught up in, we don't want to finance that. Orion Pictures, who produced the first two, just had a really bad budget crisis um, and didn't produce anything for a long time. But just they had a crazy history, which affected how Bill and Ted was going to be produced and released and all that. And it's just, you know, there's also the disappointment in quality from the first one to the second one so why would you want to produce a third one if there's going to be that same dip potentially even harder so it's just like it doesn't seem like Keanu and Alex Winter ever tried to stop making this movie which is the difference I mean a lot of times you get these revivals you know sometimes it just doesn't come across really well but it sounds like they've been thinking about this for the last 20 years and you know that that's got something to say for it there's just nothing about this that really brings a wow factor that's really going to get me there it's going to be really excited about this movie, but like I said, just Bill and Ted alone, just that name, that title, that intro is going to get me there pretty quick in the theater. I don't know how I'm actually going to view it because uh, I'm still unsure about going to movie theaters, especially Iowa City's kind of spiking in it has never gone down in coronavirus. So yeah, it might be one of those VOD for me. Anyway, with all that being said, how about we move on to the sit topic? Let's talk some TV. Yeah. Caleb, just... Give us a brief rundown. What are the subscriptions that you have? It's like we know what you have access to. So mine are pretty straightforward because I was using my friend's HBO, but he recently stopped paying for it, which means I stopped getting it. So now I just have <laughs> Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon Prime, Showtime, and Disney Plus are the okay. ones I and is that Hulu just like a basic plan or is it like live TV as well? It's the basic one. It's packaged with Spotify and Showtime. I pay Got for them all uh, the bundle. So. Yeah, I used to do that. I just can't stand ads, and Hulu is just really bad at showing you the same ad. See, so. I like commercials. I'm weird. Like, I have trouble focusing for like long periods of time. So, like, commercials are perfect for me because it gives me like a minute to a thirty second break to just like chill out, and then I'm right back into the TV. If I'm like heavy binging something, it does get old. But if I'm like most of the stuff on Hulu, I'm just like casually watching. The um, the commercials are nice. I don't know. I kind of like them. I'm okay with commercials. I just, I have a problem with paying for a service and still having advertising. Like 
I have a Peacock account, but I'm not going to pay for Peacock. But because it's a free account, I don't want mind watching your ads. But I don't want to pay five ninety nine a month to have your ads still. And I mean, I guess if it's also bundled with Spotify and Showtime, I mean, it's a little bit more justifiable. But it's just like it also bugs me that you can't bundle those with the ad free tier of Hulu. But yeah, um, yeah, or it's like uh, my first semester in college. That was like right when Hulu Plus started, when it was no options for like ad free or whatever. It was just, it just went up and I bought a Blu-ray player that had a free like 30 day or maybe six month trial or something like that. I don't remember. And so I used that and me and a couple of the roommates uh, that I was, that I was close by, uh, we binged the whole, at that point there was only four seasons of community. We just binged it all, but it was the same, like two or three ads the whole time. And it's such a shame because one of the ads had that Bruno Mars song treasure in it. And like, that's a good song, but I can't stand it because I've heard it 60 million times. Yep. So I found myself, you know, while watching some of these ads for like, uh, um, either I, I'm watching a lot of the, the NHL playoffs right now. So I'm finding myself getting, uh, getting, getting ads every now and then for that. Or like I finished up a show on Peacock that I'll talk about a little bit later, getting some ads with there. And there's a couple that I really like, like, I, I don't know about you, but have you seen the Geico commercial with G- DJ Khaled? Like the new one about the guy brushing. Yeah. Head? Yes. I love that commercial. And I think I could watch it 60 million times. Amazing. I don't know why I love it. It's so simple and it's so dumb, but something about DJ Khaled when he just says another one and he holds up his finger, is just like, it bring it brings me joy, and I don't even like DJ yep. Khaled. <laughs> anyway, we're pretty similar then on what we have. I have Amazon, Disney Plus, Netflix, HBO Max, and Hulu Live TV without ads. If you could keep one of your subscriptions, just one of them, which one would you pick? This is probably kind of basic, but I'd keep Netflix just because of the sheer amount of content that they put out consistently, and there's just too many shows and movies that they have on there that. I'm invested in that I would miss it more than the other ones, I think. Even okay. though as like the MCU and all that, I just think, especially for TV purposes, I would miss Netflix the most. So I would keep Netflix. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm still sticking with HBO. I just, I don't know, there's enough about Hulu that makes me not put it at my top tier. Especially the interface is just kind of garbage. Even the new, quote-unquote, oh, upgraded interface is still just terrible. Yeah. Uh, Netflix definitely has the advantages. Every app I've used with them is definitely the best interface they have. And Amazon is still back in, you know, the early aughts. Mm-hmm. So bad. Yeah. And I would say if I still had HBO, I'd probably keep that. But I lost my HBO about a month ago and it took a little piece of my heart with it. Yeah. But um, I don't have that anymore. Yeah, it's I don't I just don't think I could go without it right now. It's especially like it was different when it was HBO. I mean, they, I still think it probably had the best content, but I mean, now that you're adding all of HBO's content plus the DC Universe content plus all the you were talking about having a bunch of classic movies on VHS. I mean, they have there's like old movies that are like in the Criterion Collection on there. It's just like it's too good to pass up um, now that it's HBO Max plus all the originals that they're producing. It would have maybe been a competition, especially because Hulu, I can also bundle the live TV. And, you know, I just, Amazon's not in the running for me. I don't know that I would pay for the subscription if I didn't, you know, mostly want the two-day free shipping and some of the other perks that come with Prime. You know, even even paying for Netflix almost seems a little, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't find myself using Netflix terribly often. 
I do use it, and I like the originals. I just don't think that their originals are anywhere near HBO's caliber. That is uh, HBO. I will say, like overall, the shows I've watched on HBO have been better caliber than Netflix. But uh, like I said, I don't have that anymore. So Netflix yeah. is the next. Yeah, and uh, and also just Disney Plus. I mean, I, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm excited for all that's going to come. I don't get why people are ragging on it. I mean, you knew exactly what you were signing up for. Not a ton of original content, or at least not a ton of A-grade original content for a little bit. And here we are about ready to launch the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it's like, this is what you signed up for. So I paid for the three years right up front. And I, mm-hmm. It was cost effective. And like, I'm in it for the long game. And I don't, I don't use it very often. Pretty much right now, all I use it for is Clone Wars. But I like having access to a lot of other things. And I like... You know, being able to watch The Mandalorian over and over again, or I don't know, especially it's it's only six ninety nine a month. Like, how can you really complain, especially when it's like a third of the cost of what Netflix is now? Mm-hmm. So, so what what have you been watching during this uh, during this quarantine break during uh, during some time off? Right now, when I'm I'm currently watching a bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm watching. I'm going through uh, the first twelve seasons of Criminal Minds. They're on Netflix. I'm on season 10 now. Um, I'm watching Gravity Falls for the first time. Almost done with that. Um, I am just about finished with High Fidelity. It's on Hulu. It's based off the movie with John Cusack. This one has Zoe Isabel Kravitz, who's going to play Catwoman in the new Batman movie. Right. Um, that's pretty good. I'm watching Money. Seen, have you seen the High Fidelity movie? I have not seen the movie, no. Okay. I have the movie. I haven't seen it yet. I was just curious. Yeah, I hate to be the breaker bearer of bad news, but High Fidelity just got canceled. It's not getting picked up. I know. I just found that out, and so I'm kind of delaying my finish of the show because it is really good, and I'm kind of shocked that they canceled it because it seemed like, I don't know, the look of the show is really cool, and it seemed like they had a good plan for it, and so is about Kravitz. I feel like her star is kind of on the rise. Yeah. Like, she was pretty well known but i feel like her name's getting bigger so it just like kind of shocked me that they would cancel that um that soon yeah i agree i haven't watched it yet but i thought that was kind of out of left field but i'm also watching money heist on netflix killing eve alias and secession i was watching secession when i had hbo and i lost it and i had like three episodes left but i heard a rumor that it's going to get put on the roku TV app for free for a couple of weeks. So I'm hoping to be able to finish the session soon. Yeah. see, this is why I like talking TV with people is because, I mean, I, I watch a decent amount of TV, but especially if the recent Emmy nominations has taught me anything is that, I mean, nobody can keep up on all of it, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's so much that I don't watch. There's so much that I haven't got a chance to see. Or there's so much that you know, I'm missing out on. There's so much that I'm just not interested in watching. You know, I'm, I've got Criminal Minds on my queue, but it's been on my queue since I got Netflix. It's 12 seasons. It's just a huge commitment. And I you know, don't have that. Um, uh, like Gravity Falls, I, I just don't know if it's quite my cup of tea. You know, High Fidelity, I'm sure, I'd get, I'm sure I'd get around to someday. I'm sure I will, but for the longest time I didn't have Hulu. And that was definitely not going to be a point to pull me into having Hulu. But um, I've never even heard of Money Heist. What's that about? It's a Spanish TV show that Netflix produces. It's a team of robbers. They're robbing the Royal Mint uh, in Spain. Okay. And they're trying to get away with 
billions of dollars. They so they taken the mint hostage. So they're inside the mint is like the storyline, and the cops are outside trying to figure out how to get in. And they have like this plan, and the mastermind, his name is the professor, which is just pretty cool. So like the whole show takes place while they're in the Royal Mint. Like, not to give too much away, but I'm already like at least halfway through season two and they're only on day they're only on like day like five of the heist so like their high setup is they're gonna spend a like several days and or weeks inside the mint producing their own money okay and then trying to make it that so i don't know how they're gonna get away because i haven't made it that far but it's really well made it's super intriguing the only reason i haven't gone as far is because i do have to watch it with subtitles and I don't know if this sounds like I'm being a wimp, but it really is like more draining to watch it with subtitles because like I have to be focused on it for like the whole episode. Well, because you could turn on Criminal Minds in the background and put it on while you're making lunch or whatever. But if you turn on some yeah. of the subtitles, you have to dedicate watching to a screen. I mean, and that's a much bigger time commitment than a movie like Parasite or something like that, where it's like, all right, for mm-hmm. the next hour, 48 minutes, I'm looking at the screen versus like, you know, if I decide to go on a binge props to you subs over dubs every time yeah no i literally binged season one of money heist it was so good i think i watched the first season in like a day and a half maybe two days there's 10 episodes they're about an hour long okay but I, I like had to take a break before i started season two and i just started season two again recently because i was like okay i think i'm ready to come back to it but i watched some other stuff like you said that i could put on in the background because when i had to when i turned on money heist like you said i was zoned in and i literally told my family I'm like don't bother me for a while like i literally <laughs> need to watch to make sure i don't miss anything nice yeah uh, how many seasons are out there and has the show concluded already like has the story wrapped up no so um they just so the reason i started watching is because right toward the beginning of quarantine they released the most recent season that was uh well actually they're called parts so they just released part okay. four like a couple of weeks into quarantine and they're planning a part five and that's going to wrap up the whole thing. Okay. So five is going to be the finale. It'll come out presumably next year. Yeah. If I, I'm pretty sure they're planning one last part. And so I'm on part two. I'm about halfway through part two. Yeah. No, that sounds really interesting. Uh, interesting. I'm probably definitely going to put that on my list. Cause that's, I've never heard of a heist like that. And I like heist stuff. So mm-hmm. probably definitely going to put that on my list. And then you have killing Eve on here, which I've heard of, but I've never watched. Uh, and then you mentioned a- Alias, uh, some early J.J. Abrams stuff there. I yeah. have not seen any of that. My That is my mom's favorite TV show. So we, Oh, nice. And I'm you know staying at home right now because of COVID and quarantine and I finished school and looking for a job or whatnot. But we started watching Alias together because she watched it way back when I was younger and she wanted to rewatch it. So we've been watching that. So we're about halfway through season one. We just started watching that recently. But when- Have you seen it before? I had not. But when she brought up possibly watching 90s Jennifer Garner, I, I had to say yes. <laughs> of course. I haven't seen Alias. Uh, I have seen bits and pieces of Lost. But I have seen all of Fringe. I really like Fringe. It's another J.J. Abrams one. Uh, big fan of that if you're looking for something to watch kind of in that kind of similar realm. Add that to my list. Uh, you mentioned Secession. I haven't seen it, but... I have heard a lot of good things about it. I just don't know if it's going to be my you know, cup of tea. I don't I just probably won't get around to it. You know, maybe once the show wraps up, I just, there's so much 
HBO content that I think is going to be a little bit more appealing to me. Yeah. Um, th- especially things that I've had on my list for a long time or things that like I never got around to seeing like the Sopranos. Like I'd rather watch the Sopranos in section than secession. Um, or like I recently watched newsroom, which was amazing. And you know, no regrets at all about picking that. I sort of stumbled into secession and ended up kind of getting hooked on the characters. Cause they're the one thing I will say, I don't know for sure that I like any of the characters in the show. And sure. I'm kind of old fashioned. I need at least one character that I actively root for. And I'm still not sure while watching it if I actually want any of the characters to succeed. But they're all super complex, which is interesting. And they all have like dynamic relationships with one another because it's about a family. So that kind of grabbed me in. Um, and also the theme song is really dope. Okay. HBO is really good about that stuff. Yeah, they are. I'm not sure that I'm going to check this show out because I also just don't know that I'm interested. But Nicholas Braun, I don't know. He's an actor. He was in like Perks of Being a Wallflower and a couple in Sky High. Okay. Yeah, yeah. His character is really great in Secession. I, he just kind of popped in my head. I think he might be the only character that I root for in the show. Okay. Yeah. Then you have one, one more show on here that I see that you've listed, but I don't think you actually said uh, Superstore. Yeah. Yeah. I accidentally skipped over that. The new seasons that they've been doing recently. So I, I haven't seen season, I think it's five or six. I think they're on six now. I haven't seen. I think so. I think I'm going to get around to the show eventually. I just think I'm not going to just yet because I think if I would have watched the show when it started, I would have been there from the beginning, but I didn't hear about it and I didn't have Hulu for a while. Uh, but I always see it's tagged at the end of Brooklyn Nine-Nine because it starts at the end. And I, and I like the the openings that I see. At least that was when I had a DVR. Now I just watch everything on Hulu. But it's you know I I liked what I've seen. It's just each season is also like really long. I'll get around to it probably at some point when it finishes. It's just and I don't want to just jump into the middle of knowing all these characters. You know, having spent six seasons with them for a normal viewer, all the inside Joe Tumas things like that. So I. I think I will get around to this. Uh, it's just not. See, I think Superstore is just late. I think if it had been on TV several years earlier, before a lot of these other sitcoms, I think it would be one of America's favorites. But I think it's a pretty familiar formula, and there's enough changes. But I think if they had more, it would stick out more. But I think it's better than a lot of people give it credit for. I have really enjoyed it so far. Yeah, like I said, I've enjoyed what I've seen, and this is created by the same people that did Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and The Office. So, like, I mean, that's that's a pretty stellar track record. Yeah, and so yeah, like I said, I think I'll check it out at some point. It's just not, I don't feel an urgency to right now, but I would have kept up with it if it would only been one season out, or if I'd have started kind of at the pilot. Um, Yeah, I don't do for a lot of shows at this point. I've been watching quite a bit recently. This is all all the stuff I have here in this what are you watching right now section is stuff that I've watched since the last um, episode that we recorded a month ago. So I mentioned kind of then that me and my wife were watching Parks and Rec and we were in season four. It was the election time when I recorded talking about TV with Shane. I've since finished. Abby and I actually finished up last night. And if if you don't get emotional in the finale, then you're just not human. And have you seen Parks and Rec? I have. Yes. Okay. Loved it. I loved season two and on. Yeah, exactly. 
season one was not great, but once I got to season two, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in. And uh, I really enjoyed Parks and Rec a lot. I'll, I'll hold true to the fact, though, that season one is the best I've seen it this third time, this third time through. I think, I think you can see the where the show's going. It's just, it's hard to, to actually be realized. Like, you can see bits of greatness, but, I mean, Mark Barandanowitz is just a terrible character. Yeah. You don't have Ben and Chris, which really tie the show together. Uh, Chris Pat was still just treated as a temporary, not quite a full-time, so it, you know, you don't have April and Andy just yet. So, I mean, it's, you know, you can kind of see, like, I like this. They just haven't figured out the formula themselves. Even I could see that in season one. I was like, well, this isn't great, but I can see that it could be. And then, like you said, they got there once they got Chris and Ben and got Andy more screen time. Yeah. Uh, I also uh, actually haven't watched any. I put Clone Wars on this list. I haven't watched any Clone Wars since the last episode. It's really hard for me to. Uh, I'm, I just got done with season one. I'm going to skip to season three. Um, I watched AP Bio. And have you seen that, Caleb? I have not seen AP Bio. I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. I can't believe that this show is not talked about more than it is because I really loved it. It's only two seasons. Each season is like 10 or 13 episodes. It was on NBC. And I think part of it is just if you have a show on like NBC, CBS, um, and any of those like uh, national channels, there's high expectations for them. And um, even Brooklyn Nine-Nine getting canceled was just dumb. But I think this, if this would have been on like Comedy Central or FX or maybe even HBO, I think the I think the show probably would still be going. But like I said, it was on NBC, and I think they just have high standards. And so they actually canceled it after season two, but then picked it up the next day to be a Peacock exclusive. And I mean, maybe that was their plan as soon as they thought about Peacock all along. But I. I'm just surprised people aren't talking about the show more. It's really funny. It's really good. Uh, Glenn Howerton, who plays Dennis in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, plays your lead character in pretty much the same kind of person. But this this, this show is really funny. It's on Peacock now, uh, which you can even access without paying if you watch the ads. Although with Peacock, the great thing is if you watch it in a browser with ad blocker on, it's not quite sophisticated enough to... Uh, <laughs> It'll say like, hey, we know you use an ad blocker, shut it off, and all you have to do is disable that notification and it just bypasses it. Anyway, so I, I really like AP Bio. Uh, there's only two seasons out right now. Season three comes out next month. I will be watching it for sure. Uh, I watched Kirby Enthusiasm season 10 because I hadn't gotten around to that just yet. You watched that show at all while you had HBO? Uh, I did not make it to that show. It's so good. It's... Season 10 is, is my favorite season the show's released so far. And I think it's because I th- for the most, for the first like six or seven seasons, it's really just like 10 episodes, 30 minutes each. And you could watch them in whatever order you want. There's no sort of narrative structure. There's no like recurring jokes, things like that. Then they started to play around with, uh, with it for the last couple seasons. And I think they really finally hit their stride. You get like a full season arc, but there's like things that go on like several episodes, but each episode is still its own contained story. It's, it's really good, and it had some of my favorite episodes of the series in this season. And, I mean, the guest stars are still great. If you go back and watch Kirby Enthusiasm, you'll see in, like, season one, there's, like, a baby Zachary Levi. And you'll, like, see all these A-listers that were at one point in this show. But, like, this season, they had Timothy Oliphant for an episode. They had uh, John Hamm for an episode, which that, one, that, that episode was amazing. That's my favorite episode of the show so far. Uh, there was some other really popular guest stars. Uh, Clive Owen was on 
one of the episodes this season. So, I mean, like, now they're actually getting, like, really recognizable names, too. So, I also decided to watch Preacher. I have seen the first two seasons of Preacher. I really liked that. It was on AMC. It's over now. It was only four seasons. And I had watched seasons one and two kind of right as they came out. Um, And I just, for some reason, never got around to three and four. So, I figured before I get to Shane told me to watch Fargo, before I get to Fargo, I want to just finish up Preacher real quick. Uh, so I got one more season left of Preacher. Uh, and then I went on this thing where I spent a whole day, like literally a whole day. I sat on the couch and I turned on true crime documentaries for a whole day. And I, do you have any of these true crime docs that you like? I, I'm not a huge documentary guy. I don't know what it is. They just like don't usually grab my attention. So no, I've never, I have not really dabbled in that area of TV very often. See, there's a couple things that I think are really special about documentaries. First of all, is they're based off a true story. Uh, but then there's also like getting an understanding of a lot of times these are done in hindsight. You don't typically make a documentary while something is going on. I and mean, sometimes you do, but you, you know, like they, HBO recently re- released McMillions, which is great. Uh, but that happened, you know, in the in the early 2000s, Monopoly, uh, McDonald's Monopoly scam. Uh, there's uh, there's some really classic documentaries about some of the things. I like docu series. I think more the documentaries themselves. I mean, Won't You Be My Neighbor is my favorite documentary of all time. Uh, and I think there's something really special about that. But I I like true crime docs. The problem with them, a true documentary does not go in saying, "Here's my thesis. I'm going to prove my thesis." A true a true documentary wants to just say, I'm interested in knowing more about this, and I'm going to document my process of learning more about this. And so there's some documentaries that I really love that do that well. Uh, McMillions is kind of a good example of that because they're not trying to make any point. They're just trying to tell a story. But there's other documentary series that I've seen um, that are just not good at that. Specifically, HBO did this, uh, The Case Against Aidan Syed, and based off of kind of the the appeal hearing after the podcast serial kind of you know made that in pop culture and it's not a bad documentary it just has its bias they're trying to prove his innocence for these like six episodes or something like that and it's just like what you're making to me is not a true documentary and i want to see that i want to see your exploration not i'm coming at this from the initial standpoint of aidan syed is innocent and so it just doesn't really work for me that way. And so I watched one, uh, oh, a great example of one that doesn't take any sides, just trying to tell a story is, is Evil Geniuses. That's a Netflix original. It's the story that covers um, the basis story for 30 Minutes or Less, that uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Aziz Ansari movie from a while ago. Okay. That is kind of maybe perfectly rated at just okay. <laughs> um, but it's a really weird true story and so that one's a really good docuseries but i watched uh the who killed garrett phillips it's a two-part on hbo and i you can just tell immediately there's a bias and yes there are things about it that are definitely done wrong and yes part of the reason why they're making this documentary is that there has only been one suspect the whole time they never really explored a ton of other options but the whole thing to me just felt like we're trying to make a case for this guy's innocence. We're not actually trying to figure out who killed Garrett Phillips, Garrett Phillips. And it's just, so I didn't really like that that much. It was just okay, uh, but it was only two parts. And so, uh, and I didn't know that that's what, what it was going to be uh, until I was already done with it. And I was like, okay, 
So I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'm recommending that one, but I did watch it. But one that I kind of want to recommend that is kind of also bad. It's called the most dangerous animal of all. It's on Hulu because it came on Fox in March. And I don't know who didn't tell me about this, but this is, this seems right up my alley. So apparently it's based off this book of this guy who was adopted and in his search for his biological parents, uh, believes that his dad is the Zodiac killer. And I love the Zodiac killer. I don't love the Zodiac killer. That's a bad <laughs> take out of that co- context. I, I'm fascinated by the Zodiac Killer because I think there's so much there that is so cryptic and I don't understand any of it. And I definitely am not in support of what this guy does, but there is something that's like really interesting and fascinating about that. And I, I don't know. I love the movie Zodiac uh, done uh, a couple of years ago, starring Robert Downey Jr. and Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that's a really, really, really good yeah, that one's really movie. Good. This documentary is only four parts. It's not very well made. Uh, you can tell this is a Fox original and or FX original, and FX is kind of just trying to start documentaries. This is not as well polished as HBO and Netflix. They probably didn't have the budget for that. But what I really appreciate about this documentary in particular is the this is based off a book called The Most Dangerous Animal of All, which is a, a, a section that the Zodiac Killer writes in one of his letters uh, that says he calls man the most dangerous animal of all. And... He released this book after finding and believing that his dad's a Zodiac killer. And the first the first episode is how he got to the point of starting to think that his dad is a Zodiac killer. The second episode is building a case for that. And the third episode is kind of the process of releasing that book as well as some initial criticism. And the fourth episode completely tears it down. By the end of the series, I think it's pretty conclusive. This guy's dad was not the Zodiac Killer. But by the end of episode two, I was like, I think this guy's dad is the Zodiac Killer. And I'm not <laughs> spoiling any of it for you. But I think there's something really interesting. Here's why I want to say you should watch this. is because the fourth episode deals with so many identity crisis issues that it's really worth spending your time. They're completely debunking the, the dad is the Zodiac Killer. But in the process of doing so, you're seeing how this guy has made up stuff in his own mind and believes it to be truth and lied about certain things to be true and wants to wants to take things it's it's kind of like that how you can take statistics statistics and manipulate them to say whatever you want like if you're good enough with statistics and it's kind of that same way this guy has taken this story and he's manipulated it to try to fit the narrative that he wanted to be true and he straight up lied about it but they kind of make this really interesting point at the end of it that is like he was adopted, he was an orphan, or he was left on a on like a, a staircase somewhere. But he wanted identity through parentage so bad that he wanted that the, that the Zodiac Killer was better than nothing. And regardless whether his dad was a Zodiac Killer or not, he was definitely a nut job. So there's also a really fun, mm-hmm. interesting story with that. And. I don't know. So I, it's only four parts. It's not going to take but two and a half hours of your time. But it's it's not very well made. But I think that the last episode pays off thematically really well. Definitely add that to my list. Um, that yeah. does sound interesting. Yeah, this is a good follow up to the movie. And I just watched a Criminal Minds episode where the killer they were trying to track down was copying the Zodiac killer. So it's just kind of funny that oh nice that would come up. Yeah, the only other show that I have watch that has previously been ended is i started watching future man i've only seen the first 
season. There's three seasons out. This is a Hulu original. I like it. I don't think I love it. Um, I know Aaron Dicer talked about it on Sif Pop Weekly not so long ago. So did Andrew Ormsby, but um, they were saying high praises for season three. And I can see where this is going to go somewhere really cool, but I like this show. I'm definitely going to continue, but there has not been anything to me that is specifically like, you got to go watch this show right now. But yeah, it's Josh Hutcherson, Eliza Coop. Uh, and there's there's some other really recognizable faces in there. And this is a Keith David's in there. That's another really recognizable face. Each, this show is funny. It's got some really funny moments. It's just I don't know. It's very crude as well. That should be that should be stated. But it hasn't quite hooked me yet. And I hope it does. So, uh, what about what do you keep up to on a weekly week to week basis? What are the things that you watch? Kind of kind of there. Like, as soon as it comes out, you got to watch it. Well, Modern Family, I was keeping up with it because it was the final season. It kind of wrapped up uh, around the beginning of quarantine, the show. Um, that was one of those shows that my family would watch a lot together, uh, just on random nights, whenever the new episodes would be on. We recorded a lot of them. I'm pretty sure on our recordings for our cable, we have about 50 or 60 Modern Family episodes recording on there so that we can go back and watch them. So that's... Just like one of my favorite shows. So every new episode came out, I watched it. Ozark season three. I think I finished the whole season in maybe a day. Uh, I think season three was the best of the show so far. And I really enjoyed where they took it. So that one was one that I was just binging super hard when it came out. And uh, Sex Education was another one that I watched super fast when it came out. I've loved both seasons. Uh, That's another show that is just like, for the top of my list of favorites. And then uh, The Mandalorian and Dave were ones that I would watch on a weekly basis whenever the new episode would come out. Uh, Mandalorian, obviously, I'm a big Star Wars fan. And um, when I heard about everybody that was involved in The Mandalorian, I think it's the best thing that Disney's given us while they're connected to Star Wars. I think it's better than any of the sequel movies. That's just a personal opinion. And then Dave, I think Lil Dicky's hilarious. And... Some of the episodes of Dave weren't great, but a couple of them were, and they were really interesting, and I liked the rest of the cast around him too, so I was really intrigued by that, and I just, like, it had a little bit of a similar feel to, like, shows like Atlanta that FX does. I really love Atlanta, and I don't think Dave's as good as that, but I know that some of the same people are involved, and um, it goes with... It's kind of cool. They both deal with like the hip hop rap community, which I'm a big rap fan, but they're from totally different perspectives because of the fact that Donald Glover's doing one and Lil Dicky's doing the other. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's just kind of, kind of like a cool like parallel. I've watched both, and whenever I think about both and compare them, it's just kind of interesting to see the differences. Yeah, out of all the shows you listed, I mean, I Modern Family is kind of on my queue. Keep up with Stranger Things which I don't know if you've got around to mentioning or not. Oh, yep. I um, keep up with Stranger Things, too. Looks like I skipped over that one. I skipped over Marvelous Mrs. Maisel as well. Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really love that. I think that's the only show on Amazon Prime that Amazon Prime does themselves that I'm, like, really hooked on. I don't know that they make any other original content that I really, like, consistently follow. There's some stuff like, that I really like on Amazon Prime originals. Um I really like the Tick series that they had going that okay. is, was unfortunately canceled. Um, that was really good. Uh, I liked the very first season of The Man in the High Castle, but I hated the second season, and I never watched the third or the fourth. 
Uh, but I think the first season is worth watching and kind of stands alone. I tried Good Omens, but I couldn't get into it. I hear really good things about Bosch. Uh, I am hmm. interested in watching that. I'm kind of on my queue. I just don't think I'll get around to it anytime soon. But yeah, I Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is on my queue. Uh, you mentioned that as well as Dave and Ozark. Those are the like the only three that you mentioned that are in Modern Family that are on my queue of to watch that I really want to watch. I haven't seen yet. I had sex education on my queue at one point, but then I just decided I just really don't think the show's going to be for me. So I took it off, uh, especially with so many other things to watch. This just there's nothing about this is going to crack into my next, especially like I don't hear a ton of people talking about it. So there's Wait, that. Does, does Prime do the boys? Does Prime make the boys as well? The is Prime does make the boys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then I'll add that too because I love the boys. That was another one that I uh, binged really quickly when it came out last summer, and I'm really looking forward. Yeah, I uh, I will also add the the boys is a really great Prime original show, and I'm so excited. I had that in a note that it starts at the start of September, season two does, and you know that I'll be watching that kind of as soon as it comes out. I'll, you know, hopefully I might even catch that between Preacher and Fargo depending on how long it takes me to watch season four of Preacher. But I love the boys. I'm really excited for that return. Um, I mentioned kind of all the things that I watched the last couple episodes. If you guys are interested in hearing those again, you can go check out the last couple episodes. There's been three things that I want to mention that I kind of keep up on a week-to-week basis that have been actively going on. Two of them are actually over now, and one of them is still going. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I love America's Got Talent. My stipulation is I cannot watch it live. I have to watch it on a DVR so I can fast forward through approximately half the episode. I'm really just interested in seeing the acts, maybe the judges' responses, but that's it. And I'm interested in seeing the stories of the contestants, just not until the finals. They're, they do the whole package like for certain people during auditions. And it's like, just give me just the auditions. Yeah. Like I get that Simon Cowell is all about stories, but it's like, you're going to show me this package, this person, at the auditions, at the judge cuts, at the live shows, at the semifinals, at the quarterfinals, at the final. it's like I don't want to see it. Show me it once. Give me like a limit of one, maybe two. See, it's only and, for me and, when they show it and then they end up being terrible, and they just I they get like booed off. I don't particularly like care so about that because it's hard for me not to get invested once they give you the backstory. So every time they give a backstory now, I like I like hold back until I see them perform and then. I decide if they're good, okay, then I don't mind being shown the story. But it's just like the worst to me when they play like a five-minute spiel about a person and then they have some weird talent and they get all the X's in like the first 15 seconds and nobody likes it. They're just gone. And I'm like, what was the point of showing me all that if they're not going to be subversion on the show? They want they want to put one of those every now and then so you don't automatically think that when the uh, I guess when I they am. show the package that it's going to be a story worth seeing or it's going to be a golden buzzer act. It, it's a subversion thing. It's also a comedy thing. I just I, I just don't care about seeing any of the packages. I want I want to like you for your personality that you bring on stage and you for your talent that you have. And later on, if there's part of your story that really makes you something special, I definitely want to hear it. I just don't want to get beat over the head with it. And so um, so there's that's just kind of how I feel. Like I love AGT. I just have to watch it on the DVR. Cannot watch it live. Um, so 
uh, me and my wife really enjoy watching that, especially because if there's an act that we really don't like and we get to like finals or whatever, we can just fast forward through them. Yep. If we're like, how has this person made it this far? And I don't have to sit through them. Um, the other thing, the other two things I've been keeping up on a week to week basis, I've been talking about docu-series uh, recently, and there was one that's been going on HBO the past uh, six weeks. It just wrapped up last Sunday or two Sundays ago. It's called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. It's probably the best true kind docuseries I've ever seen. And I don't have the widest range of seeing some of these, or seeing all of these, but this is, this is really good. And this is really good for a couple reasons. So this is about the Golden State Killer, who I knew nothing about. But the Golden State Killer has over 50 accounts of break-ins and rapes at homes. And on many of those occasions, also murdered. Not all of them. I had to watch this with the lights on because this is, again, one of those things that is is true, is based off of real people's stories, and there's a certain element of fear to that. So I have to watch it with the lights on. But this show, this docuseries did did a couple things incredibly well. First of all, this is based off of a book called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. This is written by Patton Oswalt's wife, who tragically died before publishing the book uh, from... Uh, accidental medicine overdose trying to relieve her anxiety for writing researching and writing this book and so it's a really tragic story and so first of all it gets to tell that story and that's the reason i really like this book or this docuseries and part of the part of that as well is it really dives in to this is a this docuseries is for the first five episodes is a cautionary tale it's it's saying if you lean into this if you get so obsessed with stuff like this, like like criminal minds and evil geniuses and you know the Golden State Killer and all that, it can completely control you. It can make you completely sleepless, full of anxiety, and it could potentially even kill you. So this is a cautionary tale, uh, which I thought was really good and really tasteful, really honored the legacy of Michelle McNamara. So um, I thought that was great. Uh, the other thing is this shows you the research of everything done like later. This is not like a trying to get you in real time, trying to in, interview the detectives that did it back in the day. This is, you know, 50 years later, we're trying to, we're trying to figure it out uh, because it never was figured out. Um, so there's that. And the other thing is this gives you two things. Uh, first of all is some conclusion because by the time she published this book, they had not known who the golden state killer was the book does not end saying it's this person uh the docuseries does uh, but that's because they found out who it was after the book was published not because of the book though it wasn't like this book is published and we totally overlooked this thing it's just dna tests came out and they were able to figure it out because of that so first of all you have some closure which i i personally liked for investing this much time um if, for something like who killed garrett phillips I, I still wanted some closure um for evil geniuses i, I had closure I, so i feel like closure is good and sometimes no closure is good but uh, the the other big thing about this is this docuseries does not take the victim stories lightly there are many victims featured here that have a voice and have a story that needs to be told and this is the time the whole second episode of the series is just hearing the victims tell their experiences and it's really hard to watch like it's really difficult to see these people struggle in this way but it's done so with such class it's done in a way that's not here to be like we want to tell this story because 
you can. It's we want you to tell your story because you're a survivor and because people need to understand that people can do things like this and people can grow from this. And so uh, like victims can grow from this and you are victims are wrong words, survivor survivors can grow from this. And so they really treat the survivors with respect and it's just so apparent in everything they do. So this docuseries was unlike any other true crime one that I've seen. And I loved every second of it. And also like six, six parts, hour piece. It's not that much to dive into. I mean, that's two Lord of the Rings movies. So <laughs> anyway, if you're interested at all in that, like that's, if you're interested at all getting into true crime docuseries, that one is, is just great. Um, the only other thing that I keep up on a week to week basis that also wrapped up, uh, just a couple, couple days ago is Perry Mason. And I am, I really like this show. Um, Shane and I were talking about how we just kind of watched the first one to get our foot in the water so we could talk about it on the podcast. But now that it's over, I've seen all the episodes. This is, uh, very different than what I thought it was going to be. It's really dark. There's a lot of investigative stuff going on. There's a lot of lawyer stuff going on. This also, I just mentioned about how I really like there's closure. Uh, there is half closure at the end of this season. And I would be perfectly content if it ended where it did. If it was just going to be a miniseries, it's already been renewed for season two. I'd be perfectly content if that's where it was going to be. But this was darker than I expected. There's some really rough moments. And I got to say just two quick things about this. First is that uh, John Lithgow is incredible in this show. He's, uh, he's, he's deserving of a supporting actor Emmy in it. He's so good. Uh, and the other is that Matthew Rees is on another level. I've loved him in The Americans. I thought he was great in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. He is so good in this series, and I can see him winning the Emmy for Best Actor this coming year, uh, whenever it qualifies. I don't think they qualify for this year, so I think next year. I could definitely see him winning the Emmy. And specifically, I know exactly the scene that, to me, he should win the Emmy for. There's a scene, and I'm going to try to avoid spoilers here, but there's a scene where a character does something drastic at the end of an episode, and the next episode is Perry's reaction to that as he's driving in a car, and he's just screaming to himself. It's the best acting I've seen from him ever. It's really powerful. It's really moving. It's really good. The way it's shot, the way it's written, the way that Reese carries that performance. This is a really good show. It's really dark. And trigger warnings for if you... There, the whole plot revolves around a, a, a newborn being killed. Um, so, you know, trigger warning for if that's something that would do that. Or there's a, there's suicide that happens in the show. So trigger warning for that as well. As well as there's alcoholism and drug addiction and there's corruption. Uh, there's some religious things in here that are kind of scandals with the church that are maybe a bit overplayed at times, in my opinion. But um, this show has a lot of trigger warnings. I wasn't expecting that. It has a story to tell, and there's a really interesting. Perry winds up defending this this uh, the mother of this child who has done nothing wrong. Well, she's done several things wrong, but they're trying to convict her for the murder of the, her child, which was kidnapped, held for ransom, and then murdered. But they're trying to convict her, primarily throwing in the fact that she had an affair in her face with one of the kidnappers, and they're trying to convict her guilty based off of that. And it just goes to show you, like, there's a message to be said there about, like, that doesn't that may put her responsible, but responsible and guilt are two different things. And no, she did not intentionally harm her child. 
So kind of Perry having to defend that and a jury being so emotional because there's a deceased child. There's a murdered child. So mm-hmm. I won't talk any more about that. Uh, I, I think it's really good. It's eight, it's eight episodes. They're an hour each. Now uh, the season two will come next year or sometime soon. Uh, it's been renewed for season two. It, it's really good. I will continue watching the show for sure. It just might be a little hard for me to revisit the season because of the, the subject matter. So, yeah. okay. So what shows are on your queue? What are some things that you've been wanting to get around to? Um, I've been wanting to get around to Umbrella Academy. I know season two just came out and it looks interesting. The concept of it looks um, intriguing. Uh, so I've been wanting to get around to that. Arrested Development. I've always heard good things, especially about the early seasons. And I still have not gotten around to watching that. Um, I just watched Palm Springs on Hulu, which was a phenomenal movie. And I was watching some interviews and they were talking about time loop stuff. And there's a show on Netflix called Russian Doll that deals with a time loop. And I've heard good things about that. Um, And then uh, Scrubs got put on Hulu and I've always heard good things about Scrubs as well. And I've never seen that either. So those are like the four main ones that I've kind of pegged for me to watch next whenever I've uh, wrapped up several of these shows that I'm watching currently. Yeah. Um, I think I'll watch the umbrella Academy at some point. It's just not on my radar right now. Uh, it's just, it's again, it's just nothing to break through that top tier for me uh, with all this other stuff, especially catching up on some older stuff. Um, plus, especially if I can just binge all of the umbrella Academy at some point. Uh, cause that's, cause that's the problem with Netflix, right? Is as long as they're still going to keep making stuff, I, I don't feel any immediacy to watch it. So anyway, so there's that. Uh, you mentioned Arrested Development, which, man, that's got to be top five favorite half-hour comedy of, of all time. That's It's it's so good. It's so funny. It's so smart. I'm really excited for you to, to check that out. And it, it, it only gets better with age. Um, season five was not very good at all. Uh, I, I think season four is better than, better than it's made out to be. Uh, but seasons one through three are just incredible. You mentioned Russian Doll. Uh, that's a great show. I'm really excited for whenever they make more of that. I was really, really happy with that. Uh, I mean, it wasn't quite like the best time loop things I've ever seen. I like Palm Springs more. Um, but I think Russian Doll did something really original, and I quite liked it. And uh, you mentioned Scrubs. Man, Scrubs is my favorite half-hour comedy of all time. Full stop. Just, just do me a favor, and just when it gets to the end of season eight, do one of two things. Either stop watching, don't, don't watch season nine. Or treat season nine as a spinoff, which is what I do, because uh, it's not Scrubs. It's very different. And if you can separate them, it's not terrible. But if you try to attach it to the first eight seasons of Scrubs, which are amazing, then it's it's only going to make you hate that and think think less of the whole series of Scrubs as a whole. I'm still on my rewatch of that as well, and I picked it up again recently, and I'm so scared because... There is an episode in season three that is maybe the best episode of TV ever. And really don't Google, don't Google anything about what's happening in season three. Don't, you know, if you, if you, if you happen to find out which episode it is specifically, cause it comes out of nowhere. If you happen to find out what episode it is specifically, like if you're checking IMDB ratings or anything like that, just try to stay away from, from any sort of reveal. Cause what you'll find about scrubs is here's why I love scrubs is it makes me belly laugh every episode. But Scrubs is also a master of subversion, and I love subversion. I was just talking about Silicon Valley with my old roommate. Yeah, um, love Silicon Valley the other day. 
I love Silicon Valley, and to me, the ending should have been the second to the last episode where they, you know, do amazing at Rust Fest. Yeah. And, you know, it's all up sales from here, but we do get the series finale, but that's because the show has always been kind of in that in that vein of we want to surprise you and these characters are not going to end up successful. And I love the how I met your mother finale. Right? I, I like it. I don't love it because I like that subversion tactic and scrubs manages to subvert on an episode by episode basis basis of you just thinking you've seen the formula thinking, you know where this is going to go. And all of a sudden it hits you and scrubs is maybe here's the other thing. I'm talking about a half hour sitcom. I have never felt more emotion in a show than when watching Scrubs. They, it, it's incredible how they do it. And just, and if you get six episodes in and don't feel anything, then you might be dead inside. So, anyway, so that's uh, I wanted to, to mention that I talked about my cue with Shane last week, and it, it's a long list. So I just Fargo is next after I finish Preacher. Clone Wars is here. The Boys as soon as it comes up, that's that's kind of my immediate cue. But um, what would you say is your favorite TV show of all time? I might have to go, this might be a weird pick, but I might have to go with Psych. I okay. just absolutely love Psych. That was like one of the first TV series that I was like extremely loyal to, if that makes sense. Like that was just one of the first ones sure. that I watched that I was just like immediately intrigued and I would loyally watch every week that it came out and then... Since it's been put on streaming services, I've rewatched it several times. Um, I just really love the concept. I love the characters, especially Gus. Uh, I love Burton Guster in that series. I think he's so funny. Dulé Hill's performance is really underrated in that show, I think. And so I might have to go with that. It has some sentimental value, too, just because it was like maybe the – it might honestly be the show that got me so invested in TV and loving TV. So I think – Part of that is why it's my favorite, but that'd probably have to be my favorite show. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I definitely can see that. I know some people that really love that show. Uh, have you seen the movies? I've seen the first one. I have not seen the most recent uh, movie. Uh, I have never seen Psych. Uh, it, I probably will get around to it eventually. I, it just kind of missed me. And, you know, now that it's not on a relatively, like, I lo- like, again, nothing against Peacock since they're not paying me to watch things. Uh, or I'm, I'm not paying to watch things, but uh, you know, I just it's so much easier to watch something on Netflix. And I mean, even Netflix has that skip intro that Hulu doesn't have. That God, I wish Hulu had. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I know. I know. You have some other shows here, but I, I think I like that pick site that you picked. I mean, again, not having seen it, but some other shows you have on here: are Modern Family, Community, Sex Education, Shit's Creek, Monk, Gravity Falls, and like, man, Monk's a good pick. Um, but like a lot of these shows, it just hasn't been enough distance from, and or they're still ongoing. I mean, Modern Family just ended, but from my, from what I've heard, is kind of after season two, it's just, it's just okay. Mm-hmm. Like season one and two are great, yeah. and then there's a significant dip in quality. I so you have to take that into account. Quality toward the last couple of seasons, but I love like seasons one through at least eight of Modern Family. I just like really loved. Yeah, and then I mean, you're talking if you got to if you put in Community, then you got to lump season six in there. Like, it's just part of it. Like, I would say that Scrubs is my favorite show of all time, but Scrubs technically consists of season nine, so. Yeah, uh, Community, I love. I Seasons one through three, especially, I really love. And then uh, four and five, I don't think are that bad. And I don't honestly think six is that bad. 
but I, it definitely dipped in quality as more of the cast kind of moved on to different things and uh, they tried to keep it going. Um, but that's kind yeah. of a trick with TV. I think a lot of shows, it's tricky. They either start flat and they find their footing or they don't quite know when to end it. And I think it's just like a tricky balance, um, especially when you have a successful show. You don't want to end it too early, but you also don't want it to drag on too far. Um, I think a lot of shows just kind of get caught up in that dilemma of when to end. Um, and a lot yeah. of them don't necessarily know what tone to start their show out as. Yeah, I agree. For the past two shows, I've said that Batman the Animated Series is on my is probably the best TV show of all time. And I just want to make two quick notes. Uh, one is that my wife and I recently finished up watching Parks and Rec, so we did Brooklyn Nine-Nine and then The Good Place and then Parks and Rec, and so we're trying to find something new that we can watch. Uh, maybe something that I've seen, maybe something that I haven't seen that we can just specifically watch together. Uh, half-hour comedies are what we're looking for, uh, or at least half-hour shows in general. And I'm really pulling, I'm really hoping she picks Batman the Animated Series uh, for us to watch next. But there's a couple options that are on the table for us to to decide um, that I'm sure we'll get around to. But I, wanna, I just kind of wanted to mention that to kind of throw that back. And honestly, the more I'm thinking about it, I think I might change my answer, and I may, I'll give a definitive version next next podcast. But I, I really think I'm probably going to wind up switching this over to HBO's Watchmen as my favorite show of all time because mm-hmm. because of several reasons. First of all, it's a contained story. They know exactly the story they want to tell. They got in, they got and they got out, and you know, no amount of money in the world was going to you know. They're like, I told my story, and if I have a story to tell again. That Damon Lindelof has said, if I come up with something again, I'll do a season two. But I don't feel like I need to do season two right now. Uh, whereas I felt a need to do season one. It's so good. It, it really kind of, the first episodes were slow. But upon revisiting them or rethinking about them at least, they're important and they're necessary. And the second to the last episode is, you know, I said that Scrubs has probably the best TV sh- TV episode of all time. Um, and the finale is also Scrubs is the best finale of all time, season eight. But there's something really special about the second to the last episode of Watchmen that takes place from uh, Doctor Manhattan, and you kind of get his perspective on time. And the, the other thing too is Batman the Animated Series is a really good show, but I like shows that say something. And Batman the Animated Series sometimes has some really important messages to say, or some really uh, good thematic things, but at the end of the day, it's it's just Batman fighting bad guys. And I mean, it's done so faithfully, it's done so well. The characters are right on, and creation of Harley Quinn is just so iconic. But Watchmen has something to say, and there's there's a real uh, I don't even know the word I'm trying to say. There's a real credit credit where credits due to Watchmen. They mention this uh, um, Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they kind of go through that scenario and talk about how the KKK went and pillaged and destroyed their village, completely destroyed this economy for black people. And the show was so good that it took that and it made it a very common plot line into this Watchmen story. And I didn't realize that that was actually based off of real events until the series had ended. And I was listening to the podcast on making of the show. And that's, that's a show that has something to say. To, to take something that important and to bring it in something I'd never heard of before. And I honestly thought they made up that part of history so they could tell this part of Watchmen. But that is actually something that happened, which is coming to light a lot recently. Part of, partly because of the, uh, the the murder of George Floyd, as well as the, the Watchmen series coming out, as well as recent celebration of Juneteenth. And 
man, it is. That's that's the sign of an important show. And Watchmen is not only a terrific show, but it's really important right now. So uh, I'm still gonna say Batman the animated series. No, never mind. I'm changing. It. I think Watchmen the miniseries is my favorite show of all time. I'm gonna add one more to my list. I'm gonna say Atlanta as well. Okay. Uh, one. I'm just a huge Donald Glover fan. I feel like everything he does is good. In Atlanta, it's crazy because I'm not even like like the audience that it's targeted toward. Like I can't relate to most of the stuff that happens in the show. Um, but it's so intriguing in the journey of it, and it uses a lot of diversion as well because like a lot of it's about his struggle uh, to try to just like make an income as well as deals with the hip hop community. And uh, it deals with racism and all sorts of stuff. And just when you think his character is catching a break, uh, something else happens and he has to try to regroup from that. And um, it's just amazing because they just like also just like slightly reinvent the show every few episodes. The tone shifts to something different, but it still connects. And um, I have no clue where they're going to go for season three, but I'm super excited for what they do. Um, I also just think it's a testament to how good it is because it takes them so long to develop and write and make the show. It just kind of shows, I think, how much work they put into it, how much thought gets put into it. Um, uh, I don't know. I just think that's really awesome because I think a lot of times in TV, too, uh seasons get pushed out really quickly so that people can binge them and atlanta just takes their time um they go like years between seasons which is frustrating when you're watching it and it gets a little bit old but then you see the finished product and you kind of get why they took so long to make it um so i've just uh really loved um that show and i just uh have been revisiting it i actually um there was a marathon on FX on Juneteenth and I watched some of that and was just kind of reminded about how good that show was. And then I went back and watched um, some more of it again on Hulu and uh, it just, it just holds up really well too. Every time I rewatch an episode, I see something new that they, uh, that just kind of went by me the first time I watched it or the second time I watched the episode, there's always a new detail that they've added. Um, that's just really cool. Yeah, I am actually on my phone right now because I'm adding it to my list because I, I've heard so many good things about it. I, I've got to watch it soon. Um, it's This is not just a I've got to watch it, but this is I've got to watch it soon. And I was afraid that maybe this wasn't a show for me. Um, but yeah, based off of what you're saying, I think I need to watch this show soon. So I think I'm probably going to... Go ahead and check it out after, maybe probably after Fargo, since I've already kind of put my mind in that space. It's just super grounded and self-aware as well. Like it, it just knows what type of show it is. It knows what it wants to say. Um, and it just doesn't really like try to filter to the audience. It just like puts out um, what it puts out and lets you kind of uh, make a judgment for yourself, which is just really cool. Um, I just really yeah. love it. Yeah, are right, you got one hot take for TV before we move on? Yeah, it's kind of a hot take, kind of a interesting take. The show Riverdale. I was just thinking about it the other day. Okay, it's not good. It's just not good TV anymore. I still hold by the fact that season one is a solid murder mystery kind of season with a little out of drama. But my hot take is if they did, if they 
you rewind and go to Riverdale from the beginning and they play it off as a satire and don't take themselves so seriously, I think we think that the show is genius. I think people would love the show. If they just did it as a satire for high school drama and all sorts of stuff like that, I think the show would be amazing. I think it'd be funny. I think it would be like super creative. But the fact that they still keep trying to take themselves so seriously and they're still trying to get the TV community to take their show seriously is just making the show worse and worse. If they literally, if they just went back and made it satirical, I think it would be amazing. Okay. That is a, that's a good hot take for you. Um, I thought about, as you were saying that, I was trying to come up with my hot take because, you know, I've got to come up with a hot take each one of these episodes. Uh, so I'll have, you'll have a lot of TV hot takes from me. Uh, I thought, so I thought about making, it's not quite a hot take, but it's a bold take. Uh, and I was going to say that what we do in the shadows is the best half hour show currently in production. And, but that's not a hot take. I don't think it's, I mean, it's probably going to win the Emmy this year for the best comedy series. And so I'm, you know, I'm going to give you a different hot take. And here, here's it is that the, the single best parts and rec episode is not one of the two highest rated episodes of all time. The two highest rated episodes of, of all time for parks and rec are the finale and the episode Ron and Leslie in season seven, where you finally understand, um, why ron and leslie have that beef it's just them two locked in that room for the half hour those are the two highest rated episodes according to imdb and man that might be number two and number three best episode ever but to me the best episode of parks and rec ever is the johnny karate super amazing explosion musical whatever i it's also in season seven but it's the episode that takes place as if it's johnny karate show and it's it's for the same reason why I like Scrubs a lot. I mean, we get to interact with all our characters. Uh, we get to laugh a lot. It, uh, it feels very Chris Pratty. Uh, but at the end, it does something that turns it into a really emotional moment and kind of subverts when you think, when you start off as this is the Johnny Karate episode, um, you don't expect some heavy hitting emotional thing because you don't really expect much of that from Andy Dwyer at all because he's the lovable moron but that's that's my favorite episode of Parks and Rec of all time even beating out the finale and Ron and Leslie that that's probably a hot take okay I like that one yeah I enjoyed that episode um it's definitely one of my favorites Uh, I don't know if it is my favorite episode but I respect that uh that is your opinion I think that's a cool it's definitely up there for sure I think it's in a lot of people's maybe top 10s, definitely top like 25s. Um, but I, I think also you talk about the episode where Anne and Chris leave is one of the most highly rated ones. Um, there's a lot of just scattered, really. The one where Ben proposes uh, Andy and April's fancy dinner party is a really mm-hmm. popular episode. I, I don't think it would make many people's top five. It's my number one. So yeah. uh, we don't have a B plot for you this week. Uh, so quick, just a quick reminder here that if you have a question you want us to answer, uh, to talk about could be about anything in pop culture or about writing for Sif Pop. You can send in those questions to writersroom at sifpop.com or you can DM me on Twitter uh, and you can send in those questions. We will answer them on the show happily for you. Uh, but we got one last thing before we move on and it's this, or before we wrap up and it's the spinoff. So, Caleb, what is the one thing in pop culture that you want to tell everyone to either watch or to avoid? I want to tell everybody this show called 112263 on Hulu. And it's just like, I don't know. I found a lot of people haven't seen it, which surprised me. 
but it's um, I think Stephen King's involved with it, J.J. Abrams, a couple other big names, but it's about a history teacher that goes back into time to try to stop the assassination of JFK. And it sounds kind of weird, but the way it's written is really great. And it's James Franco is a main character and he's in a serious role and he's phenomenal. And about see about episode three, it'll get you super hooked. The first couple episodes are really good and intriguing, but they don't answer a lot of questions season or episode three. You start getting some answers and you're hooked and you won't want to stop watching. Uh, most basically everybody that I've convinced to watch it has watched it within like a day or two. They haven't been able to stop watching it. So um, I really love it. I've seen it three times. Um, and yeah, I just want to tell everybody that they should go watch it right now because it's amazing. It, it helps that it's only like six episodes long. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's a mini series. Yeah. It was always intended. It was never trying to be like a 10 season thing. Mm, it's just a good start, stop show. Uh, you don't have to, what yep. they make it anymore it's just awesome yeah i saw that on hulu i, I picked up a, a free trial for a month because i was also right about the time that the like revival season of prison break came out and i loved prison break so i had to see that revival season but it was only on hulu so i signed up for a uh, like a free month trial and then i uh, also went ahead and watched 11 22 which i i enjoyed um i think it's good i don't i don't think i loved it uh but i would definitely recommend it had a really lackluster kind of second half of the series for me. That is true. I didn't uh, I, necessarily love the ending, but the build-up episodes were so good. And also, yeah. I'm a big George McKay fan. I honestly think he's going to win an Oscar one day. I think he's amazing. And I saw him in that, and then I saw him in like Ophelia and a couple other smaller things. And then I saw him in 1917, and I cannot believe it was the same person because in 112263, he has that southern accent, and I cannot believe he was British the whole time. But I think, he, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, he's he, really good. He's really good in eleven twenty two sixty three. He might have the best performance, honestly, of anybody. I think James Franco's good, but I think George McKay is really good in that. Yeah, James Franco's good, but nothing about that role said that James Franco needs to play it. Where you're, you're absolutely right. He killed it. Um, I am going to highly, highly recommend a show that is. It's a BBC show, so it's kind of off and on. When kind of like Sherlock, whenever they feel like they can make a new se- season or series, as they call them, in, uh, in the UK. that um, They go ahead and do it. But the problem, much like Sherlock, is that this started another current A-list Hollywood actor. Uh, I'm going to talk about Luther. Uh, I watched Luther when it was on Netflix. There was only three seasons out. Then they decided to, you know, they did the fourth season, and that released, and I uh, eventually, that one came on Netflix, and I watched it pretty quickly. And they just last year came out with season five that I had to get my hands on. And uh, and really liked that as well. Luther is one of top five of my favorite TV shows of all time. Uh, it's uh, it stars Idris Elba, and so this is Idris Elba. Kind of already, he had done The Wire. He would maybe had done the first Thor movie, but he was not like a household name at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so he was doing Luther, and just like Benedict Cumberbatch and Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. All of a sudden, it's so hard to get him to come back to do a series anymore, as well as just the, you know, they got to write the script and he's got to go film it, especially because they got to write the script in a way that he can just come and do it in like two weeks, as a, you know, because he's off making blockbusters and buku bucks. But um, this is a this is a really good show. He plays a he plays a detective in London, and uh, what I like about this show is he he himself is a very dark, twisted character. Um, 
he himself is somebody that you definitely root for, but sometimes you are like, he made a bad choice there. Um, and you, it breaks your heart to see him make that choice. But at the end of the day, he's still out for the best intentions. This show is also not, this show is also like Game of Thrones, where you just can't expect characters to live simply because they're a main character. Yep. Um, it doesn't happen super often, but this show definitely does that. Hey, we're going to kill a character because we never thought about that we would actually kill this character. Uh, and this show also is one of those shows that the first season, like the last two episodes, are just thrilling. Idris Elba's given an all-time performance here. The screenplay is great. The other thing that they do is they kind of give you uh, a two-episode arc for each. So each season is always like an even numbers. And so it's not like a here's your daily or here's your weekly uh, procedural, kind of like NCIS or something like that. It's like they're, they're very much two episodes are one story. And there's generally per season an overarching story. And it's, gosh, it's really good. It's on HBO Max now. That's why I want to bring it up. Um, they somehow acquired the rights and you should check it out. There's five series total. Um, there's probably only like 20 episodes and they're pretty true to about 42 minutes a piece. So you should definitely go check out Luther on HBO max. Have you seen it, Caleb? I have not. I've heard a lot of good things. I really like Idris Elba and, uh, I've been meaning to watch it. Um, if I ever get HBO again, I'll definitely uh, have to check it out because it does sound really interesting. All right. Well, that's a wrap. So a uh, quick reminder that Sip Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or searching Studio DNA in your podcast feed. If you're interested in writing for SipPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question exploring the B-plot, then email us at writersroom at SipPop.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Schweitcastle, S-C-H, Whitecastle, like the rest on the Harold and Kumar go to. You can DM me there on Twitter for a question for the show as well. Uh, or if you're interested in writing for SipPop uh, or just want to give us some general feedback, you're more than welcome to do all that. Leave us a, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please make sure to leave us a rating uh, and, and or a review that helps out the show more than you can possibly know. And also, if you want another way to support the show, help out with some costs that we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipments, and rental. Uh, you can Venmo me at Schweitcastle, same as my Twitter handle, or you can email writersroomatsupop.com, and I'll give you the email that you should send uh, PayPal to. Also, while we're at it, go ahead and search Schweitcastle on Letterboxd, or you can just search Sifpop Writers Room in Letterboxd, and you'll find my profile. Keep up with a bunch of movies that I just don't get the time to talk about while we're here. So, Caleb, one last thing. How about you pimp your stuff before we sign off? My Letterboxd is uh, K.A. Walters. Um, I do several like short little movie reviews, just a couple sentences about movies that I watch, and I rate a lot, and I'm just a big movie guy, so I'm always active on there. And then uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RealCalebW, Caleb Stroud with a K. So real Caleb W on Twitter. And then, like I said, check out my letterbox. It's K.A. Walters. Well, it's been great having you on the show. Really good catching up with you. Yeah, man. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. And uh, we'll have you back on in about six months. Sweet. Uh, for rotation. And, uh, and we'll get a chance to catch up on some other things. But uh, for now, uh, we'll be back uh, next week with – shoot, what are we talking uh, – talking with Robert about some, some goats. Uh, so we'll be talking about um, rope and – Rebel Without a Cause. If you haven't seen those, use your final warning to check those out. But until then, uh, it's back to the writer's room for us. Mm -hmm.